Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Father, we thank you that your word is powerful. We thank you that your truth sets people free when they have a revelation of it. Father, we thank you that you are not shaken by anything that is going on in the world at this moment. We thank you that you are Lord, that you are sovereign, that you are God, that you are King. And Father, we thank you for what you've been doing and saying in us and amongst us over this, the first couple of months of this year. We thank you for what you've been saying to us about <clears throat> the beginning of an unprecedented time a time that has no reference point. We've never been here before, never known it before. You're moving us into days where even if you told us everything that you were going to do, we wouldn't believe it. We would say, well, how's he going to do that? And how's he going to do that? Father, we thank you. You announce before you do it what you're going to do so that you get us on board with you to move with you and your purposes so that we adjust everything in our lives to fit in with what you are doing and how you are working and moving. We thank you, Father, you don't want us to fit you into our lives, but you want us to reshape and fit into you and everything that you are doing. So, Father, we thank you that when you speak and we respond, you release your grace to live in the way that you've called us to, to live in the way that you command us to, and to live in the way that you lead us to. Holy Spirit, we are not our own. We are yours. You have bought us with a price. You have purchased us with your blood. We belong to you. We don't belong to ourselves. And we thank you that because we belong to you, we don't belong to anybody else or anything else. You've set us apart because you've made us holy. You've made us clean. You've purified us. You've made us children of God, sons of God, heirs with you, Jesus. So we are seated with you at the right hand of the Father. We thank you. We praise your mighty name. We thank you, Lord. We praise your name. Father, I thank you that you grace us to, to enable us to see ourselves how you see us, to live in the way that you see us, not in the way that we see ourselves, but how you see us, what you are speaking over your, our lives, what you are declaring over our lives, personally to, and together as a body. And Father, enable us, grace us afresh to live in the way that you called us to at this time. We praise your name. We thank you, Jesus. Everybody say, I'm not going to settle for second best. I'm not going to settle for anything less than God's best. Now just say, Father, I'm not here to do my will. I'm here to do your will in your way, being led by you in your purposes to see every promise fulfilled. Every command that you have given unfolded. Something like that anyway. We thank you, Jesus. We praise your name. I want you to exalt him over your life right now. Exalt him over your marriage. Exalt him over your family. Exalt him over your workplace. Exalt him over this town, this region, this nation. Come on. Let's exalt him. He is Lord. He is God. There is no one that matches him. No one that is the same as him. No one that compares to him. He is Lord. He is God. He is great. 
Father, we do not want to settle for the culture of the day and say, well, because that's the way it is, we're just going to have to make do with it. No, Father, we do not settle for the status quo of the day. We will not come under the spirit of the day. We will not come under the spirit of this age that says conform. Come under control. Father, your word says that because your spirit is in us, we now have a different spirit that is working and controlling our lives. And we want to live according to your spirit in these days, not according to another spirit of something else. So, Father, I thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the grace that you release into our lives. We praise your mighty name. I want you to speak to circumstances right now that do not line up with God's word. And speak right at that circumstance now. It could be sickness. It could be a, something that has been spoken. It could be a challenge in whatever it is going on. Say, I speak to that circumstance right now. That means you've got to do it. I speak to that circumstance right now. You might call it a sickness. I speak to that sickness. I speak to that trouble. I speak to that angst. I speak to that pressure. I speak to that confusion. I speak to that deceit. I speak to whatever it is. And I command you right now that you are under my feet. You are under my feet because that's what the Word of God says. You are not over me. You are under me. I will not live under you. I will live over you right now. And I will not live in sickness. I will not live in ill health. I will not live in negativity. I will not live in unbelief. I will not live in any other diagnosis or word that is spoken other than that which God says about me and to me and for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is how God wants you to be in your spirit every day. He has overcome. Therefore, you have overcome. If we are in Him, we live in the same tense as He is living. The Bible says that He has overcome. Therefore, if we are in Him, we have overcome. It's a position that we live in. It's not a position we live from. We live in Him. We live in that position. Therefore, we live in victory. We pray in victory. We speak in victory. We live in victory. We deal with problems from a place of victory. We deal with every negativity around us in a place of victory. We live from victory to victory. Come on, church, we got to be how God has called us to be. He's called us to be people of faith. He's called us to be people who overcome. Therefore, it's who we are in Him. We are that and we are becoming more that in our lives. 
to just say to yourself, I'm not going to settle for anything less than God's best. In my life, in my marriage, in my family, in my job, in my street and community, in this town, in this nation, we will not settle for anything less than God's best. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good, so good, so good, so good, so good, so good. God doesn't live from his feelings. He lives by his word. And therefore he calls us to live by his word, not by our feelings. He doesn't live by circumstances. He lives according to his word. Therefore he's called us not to live by circumstances, but live according to his word. Why does he give us his word? Firstly, it reveals who he is. It shows us who he is. Why else does he give us his word? Because in showing us who he is, he then shows us what he wants to say. Why do we need to know what he wants to say? Because what he says is what he wants to do. But there's two things in that. It's what he has already done, which is who we are in him. But it's also what he then wants to do so that as we live in him, these are the things he wants to do through our lives. Why else do we need to know his word? Because he shows us his perspective on everything. When we know his perspective on everything, we can line up our thinking, our attitudes, our life in line with his perspective on everything. Why? So that we are in agreement with him and not anything else. Why are we here today? We're here to worship, to honour, to glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Why else are we here today? We're here to make sure that everything in our lives is lined up with who He is, is in line with who He is. To make sure that anything that is not in line with our lives, it might be in line with the thinking of the world or, or this or that or the other going on out there. Why are we here today? To make sure that everything in our minds, hearts, spirit and lives is in line with Him. Why do we need the Word? Because it knocks the edges off our lives that are not like Him. Why do we need the Word? Because it purifies us like living water running through our lives. Why do we need the Word? Because it transforms us by the renewing of our mind. Why do we need the Word? Because it lines us up and brings us into alignment with Him. Why do we need the Word? Because when we live like that, there's anointing that is released that is unstoppable. Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. We're not here for a service today. We're here to be before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're not here to fulfill a duty today. We're here gathered to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What are we here to do today? To hear from the throne, from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. As He speaks, as He imparts into our lives, as He releases His will and His purposes, so that we go, right, I'm not just going to live self-centered around me and try to get God to be involved in my thing. No, he speaks so that I realise, no, my life is centred around him so that I'm into his thing. 
Father, we praise your name. We thank you that you're waking up the church. We thank you that you are stirring in the church. Thank you, you are mobilizing the church. Thank you, you are speaking into the church. Thank you, you're breathing into the church because you want to affect and transform a nation. The Bible says that God can change a nation in a day. God can change a nation in a day. Let's never allow language and talk to come out of our mouths that say, well, that's the way the world is. It's just the way it is. So we're going to just have to go with it. We just have to learn how to work with it as Christians. No, we will never, ever take that attitude. Yes, we live in a world that's not perfect. As children of God in, in our position, He's made us perfect, but we're working out our salvation, right? So we're not saying we're perfect and the world isn't. We live in a world that's not perfect. We live in a world that in the natural is going in one direction, but we are part of a kingdom that is going in another direction. But he's called us as believers to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Therefore, we need to be full of grace and love and compassion in the midst of, of all the different things going on in the world. But we cannot ever take an attitude that just says, oh, well, that's the way it is. So we're just going to have to learn how to be in that context. God has called the church to be a light to the world, a city on a hill. If you're a light in a, or if the city is alive, then it's, got, it's visible. People can see the thing. It's not invisible. And God has called the church to be visible like a city on a hill. What does that mean? It's a refuge. It's a place where people run to. It's a place where people go to because they're going to find life and health and healing and love and everything that they need. That's what the world needs from us as, as a church, but also from the church. Therefore, we need to be full of love for the world like God is. God so loved the world that he gave. Father, we thank you for that fresh release of your love in us. That when we look at the world, we don't look at it with judgment and criticism and condemnation. Instead, we look with eyes of love, with compassion, that we're motivated with your heart, Father. When you look to the harvest in Matthew 9 and you said, the harvest is plenty, uh, you said that they're like sheep without a shepherd, they're lost, they're wandering around, they have no direction. Father, we thank you for your heart, for friends, for neighbours, for work colleagues that don't know you, for our community, town, region, nation, Father, that none of us would sit in judgment with our opinions in any way, shape or form, but we'd be motivated with your heart of love, Father, for our town, for our region and nation. We'd be motivated with love, Father, when we speak about the things going on. Father, we thank you. We praise you. 
We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. You are Lord. You are God. You are good. You are great. You are mighty. We're not here for a nice message today on a Sunday morning at the beginning of March. We're gathered to be stirred by the Holy Spirit. We gathered to, yes, he wants to invest in us, teach us and all of that, but not just a nice word to sort of go home and have lunch afterwards and forget it. God is doing something in our day, in this time. He's stirring, he's mobilizing, he's moving. Our lives need to be changing and, and from day to day. Our home needs to be changed from day to day. The spirit that is at work in us needs to be on the move more and more day by day. We've had, we had, we've had a great start to the year, but please do not let things settle in your life. Don't let things settle. Don't let the dust resettle a few weeks after the prayer and fasting. Don't go back into maintenance mode. Don't go back into kind of just, yeah, that'll do. I'll just tick along. Don't go back. Don't go back. Don't go back. Keep going forward in God. Keep stirring up the spirit that is within you. That means you have to engage with God. You have to stir up your spirit. If that means sticking a certain worship song on that really fuels the fire in you as you worship and get hold of God then do it to help you don't rely on it but that can help put some fuel on the fire or whatever you might need but let's continue to push into God press into God pray in the spirit like you like you never have before pray in tongues more than you ever have before why because there's an engine room on the inside of you that needs to be stoked in this day that needs to be fueled in this day that needs to be fired in this day because if we don't, the spirit of his age will cause us to settle, will cause us to shrink back, will cause us to go off the boil. The enemy's not after cold believers. He's after lukewarm ones. He's after those that are being fired. And he just said, if I can just take the edge off it, that'll do. And we cannot settle in this day, in this hour. It's too critical. It's too important. The stuff going on in our culture, in our nation in this day is too critical for the church to stay quiet, to stay lukewarm in any way, shape or form. It's a time for us to be hot, a time for us to be alive in God. Jesus, 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 you are good, you are Lord, you are God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're alive, you're kicking, you're working, you're moving. We thank you that you never settle, you never, ever settle. There's no dust on you, Holy Spirit. There's living water, there's fire, and there's lots of power and lots of momentum. Father, I thank you that you're at work in us. I thank you you're releasing dreams and visions into people's lives. I thank you for the prophetic being released in a fresh way. I thank you for discernment, Father, in this hour, in this day, discerning the spirit of the age from the spirit of God, discerning what is of the soul and what is of the spirit, discerning what is false and what is true. We thank you for the spirit of discernment increasing in our lives, Father, so that we live more sensitive to your voice and to the truth of who you are. Father, we thank you for words of knowledge. We thank you for gifts of the Spirit being activated more and more. We thank you for the anointing to lay hands on the sick and they recover. Father, we thank you for fresh grace to give the gospel, to share our testimony and see people come to know you. Father, I thank you for a fresh release of your Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that it has begun to rain. And there's only one direction we're going in. And that's into that storm, Father. Into that, the way the, the, the rain of your spirit is going to be falling increasingly. 
There's only one way we're going as a church, guys. There's only one way, and that's into the rainstorm of God's Spirit being released on earth as it is in heaven from His throne like a river coming down like rain. It hits the earth, then turns into a river of salvation being released. That's why we're here. That's why we meet. That's why we worship. Because we want to exalt Him as Lord over our nation, over our town, our region, our lives. That's why we come here. That's why we're a church. That's why we're gathered. That's why we go to see a release of God's kingdom. We're not here to fulfill a religious duty in any way, shape or form. We're not here to stick to tradition or form. We're here to serve the living God, the mighty one. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We praise your name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You're so good, so good, so good, so good. Oh, some of us need to stand up and just dust ourselves off. Just dust ourselves off. I'm not going to faff with this. I'm not going to faff with that. I'm not going to faff with the other now. I'm just going to dust myself off. A biblical way of saying it is throw off everything that hinders. Throw it off. Dust yourself off. There's too much at stake for us to be inward looking. Too much at stake to be self-absorbed. We're here for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're here to see breakthrough in our day. We're here to see release of the Spirit of God in a fresh way, in an unprecedented way in our nation. That's the only direction we can go in. God is, God is sharpening the church all over the nation. He's sharpening that pointy end of the church for breakthrough, for breakthrough, for breakthrough. So do we live as a breakthrough people? What does it mean to be sharp? It means to live clean. It means to live pure. It means to live set apart. It means to live submitted, surrendered. It means to live in that way, heart surrendered, life surrendered. What is that? It's a moment by moment relationship with God. It's not in my quiet time, I surrender today and then I go and get on with my life. Living surrender is a moment by moment relationship, moment by moment walk in Him. Conversations come up, Father, I surrender to you right now. I'm not going to get into that. Temptation comes this way. Father, I surrender you right now in this moment. I'm not going there. I want to stick close to you. Compromise at work comes up. Father, I do not want to compromise. Father, I just surrender to you right now. I don't want to go that route. I submit to you afresh right now. Thank you for your grace to not compromise. Thank you for your grace to live over temptation, to overcome it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We praise your name. We praise your name. <clears throat> Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. The Bible talks about his word being a double-edged sword. A double-edged sword. We have the word in our hearts and in our mouths. That means when we speak, it's like a double-edged sword. The word has power in our lives. That when we speak in his name, in line with his word, there's power that is released. There's change that is released. There's breakthroughs that are released. There's life released, victory released. That's the power of a believer who believes God's word and then speaks that in his name. 
That's who we are. That's who we are. We're nothing less than who God says we are. Sons of God. Sons of God. Sons of God. You're a son of God. You're not a victim of the enemy. You're a son of God. You're a child of His. You are not a child of the enemy. You're a child of His. You're adopted in His family. Therefore, you have adoption rights as a child of God. Oh, you have adoption authority according to the Bible, the Word of God. Come on. Come on. Keep saying amen over there. Come on. What's God doing? He's stirring every one of us afresh this morning. Come on, don't settle for anything less. Don't spiritually sit down and cross your legs and fold your arms and kind of sit back and what's coming next. The only way we sit spiritually is in Him. In the great rest. In the seat of rest. What is that? It's the seat of His authority. But to be seated in Him is not a passive place to live. To be seated in Him, there is loads and loads of action and activity. But it's all God action and all God activity. It's not us running around trying to make things happen. That's the only, that's the only way we sit. We don't sit passively. We sit actively in Him. But it's a, it's a place of trust in Him. Father, we praise you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you. There's too much at stake that you just let us come and have our ears tickled and our backs rubbed and our tummies kind of rubbed. You, you, you're not here to do that, Father. We thank you that your word is going in, Father, to our lives. Your word is stirring up in our spirits that you will not allow us to settle in this day because there's too much at stake. There's too much going on. We praise your name. Grab a seat if you're not already seated. I was going to do something else, but we're doing this now. So Genesis 25, 21. Genesis, we read this a few days ago. This month in our, in our reading plan, we, we do think about what we're doing. We don't just chuck scriptures on a bit of paper for you. But this month, the, the, the shorter ones that you'll see, if you go on the website, the first ones that are there are on the sheet. Uh, I don't really look at this. Just go straight to the website. Um, yeah, the first scripture that is on your, your sheet, if you've got one of these, or you just got the app thing on your phone or whatever. This month is geared around prayer. And it might be one sentence, it could be three or four. You might want to read around a, li a little bit, but it's around prayer. Why? Because God is speaking to us about prayer and the way He wants us to pray, the authority that He wants us to pray in, the victory that He wants us to pray in the intercession in the way he wants us to pray. And in Genesis 25, we had this verse the other day and I read it and it was like, boom, it just really hit me. It says, Isaac prayed. <laughs> That's Isaac prayed. Just put your name in there. John prayed. Mary prayed. Peter prayed. Clive prayed. Phil prayed. Jane prayed. Warren, pray. Doesn't matter what your name is. Put your name in there. And something happened. The word pray there means to entreat or to pray earnestly. 
The problem is when we say let's pray together, what we do is we pray according to what, how we think we should pray. And we get together, so let's pray together. And we say, Father, and we just pray like we do. But yet there's certain words and meanings in the word pray in the Bible that we need to unpack a little bit. And in Genesis 25, 21, it says, Isaac prayed. It says he entreated God. He earnestly prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife. So Isaac, sorry, I'm going to be looking at you and closing my eyes at the same time. Just helps me concentrate this morning. Is that all right? Uh, Isaac prayed. He saw something that wasn't right, that was not in line with God's will. And he's like, in this situation, I have responsibility to see this situation change. I can't give this responsibility to someone else. I've got to take responsibility in this situation to see a change take place. And he said, Isaac prayed. Why did he pray? Because he knew if he prayed, there would be a change. Sometimes we don't pray because we don't think anything's going to happen. When we're like that, the first thing we need to do is say, Father, forgive me for my unbelief. That's your starting point. Father, forgive me. I don't pray because I don't believe. I want to be honest with you. Father, in that place of unbelief, would you forgive me? And Father, I need you to speak to me because faith comes from your word. Your word says you're the author and the perfecter of faith. You author faith when you speak. So Father, I obviously need to hear something from you because in this moment, I don't believe. We've got to be totally honest with God. Let's not fake it with God. Let's not fake anything with God, right? Are you with me this morning? Let's not fake anything. Let's be totally honest. Isaac prayed because he believed. He entreated. Now the word entreat actually also means not just how he prayed, but the word entreat actually means that the one you're praying to is ready to give an answer. So what's he say here? Isaac prayed and God was ready to give the answer. The time we're in now, God is saying, I want you to pray. I want you to pray earnestly. I want you to pray like everything depends on you, but yet everything depends on God. He wants us to pray, given over to him. He prayed passionately in this situation because it meant something to him. And he prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. There was no life there. The situation couldn't produce life. Therefore, what was he doing? He was speaking something that was not as though it was. He began to get a hold of God for something that he couldn't see in the natural. And he was getting hold of God to say, God, you've got to do something in this barrenness and you've got to replace it with life. God loves to answer that kind of prayer, doesn't he? And what happened? He says, the Lord answered the prayer and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. Now, Isaac had something to do with that, obviously. And God works through us. There's a sovereign aspect of what God does that we can't do. And in his sovereignty and the way he works, he's still working through us at the same time. But yet as he's working through us as instruments, as vessels that are available, 
He does something sovereign through us that we can't do. And he did, so, he did something sovereign here. The word entreat means to pray with honesty in a heartfelt way, saying, God, I mean this, is petitioning God who is already listening and waiting to answer and ready to move and be moved by the entreaty or the prayer that is prayed. Don't you love that? So God, on one level, he is waiting for us to pray. He is waiting for us to agree with him and pray his will into being on earth as it is in heaven. We are in a season of prayer. We are in a season where we need to give ourselves in prayer. The word entreat means to have serious intention, to be given to a purpose, to be sincerely zealous. How many of you know you can only pray like that if you have a heart for it? So what we need to do if we don't pray like that or we haven't at this moment in whatever way, say, Father, I need you to do a work in me. I need you to continue to work in me to birth, release, do whatever. This kind of heart, this kind of entreaty, this kind of intention, purpose, zealousness, whatever. So that when I begin to pray, the Holy Spirit, you come and you enable the prayer to be fueled by you in a way that enables me to pray with your heart, with your passion, in the anointing of your Holy Spirit, because I can't do that in and of myself. I need you, Holy Spirit, to enable me to pray in the way that you want me to pray. We live in a barren world. We live in a culture that is barren in terms of God. And therefore God calls us to live our lives as intercessors between what he wants to do and the way the world is. That's why we can't settle for anything less than God's best. About, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago now, two and a half weeks ago, God, well, it was a bit more than that, probably three, it was the end of the fast time. God spoke to me about praying in the town. And he said, I want you to walk around every street of the town and, and all this stuff to do with rivers of salvation and all the stuff that God's been talking to us about, you know, Elijah and the rain coming and all of that kind of thing. He said, I want you to walk through every street in Horsham and I want you to just pray and, and intercede for the souls and the lives of every person, every household, every street and everything. So I've been doing that for the last couple of weeks, getting up early, going out when everybody's asleep and all of that. And, um, it, it, you know... It, Sometimes it, it, you're walking along a street, it's totally, there's nobody up at that time of the day, everything's really quiet and, it's, and, and, and you're interceding and there's moments where, where just you feel such a burden for the people and you begin to cry out, not loud, obviously, walking down a street, I think there's some nut job, you know, um, walking down the road. But, uh, you know, but it's the heart of God and, and, and you begin to, the burden, the anguish, the cry that is there. And some of that is releasing stuff. Some of that is taking authority over things. Some of it is crying out to God, but we need you. We're so arrogant. We're so haughty and self-righteous that we would live as a town and say, we don't need God. You know, that sort of stuff. Something's coming up, it's like, God, have mercy on us as a town. Have mercy on us that we would stick two fingers up at you and say, we don't need God. We can do our own thing. Father, have mercy on us as a town and 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 the other moments there's such a compassion and love for people in in terms of what is what, what's going on but we can't settle for anything less we can't settle for anything less 
Rivers of salvation through every street, in every home, in every life. It's, it's beyond, you know, only God can do that kind of stuff. But what are we doing? We're interceding. We're standing in the gap. We're putting our lives between God and, and, and between people, saying, Father, we want to intercede. We want to bring the people to you. And so you do something that even if you told us, we wouldn't even believe you. Something unprecedented. What's that other word he used with this new dispensation? What is that? It's a divine ordering of the world's affairs, of the affairs of the world. God, you know, that's why we can't settle and just say, well, that's the way the world is. We've got to be done with it and just be the best Christians we can in the environment we're in. Stuff that. We, we've got to be who God has called us to be. We've got to do it in the right way, with the right heart and, the, and everything else. But we cannot settle for the, the spirit of this age setting upon us in, in any way. There's another story in 1 Samuel 1 verse 10. It says here uh, that this is about Hannah and, and she gave uh, praying for a son as well. Another barren situation with Samuel that, that God gave her as a child. It says, in bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. The word bitterness there means anguish, pain and burden. It means she, out of a place of bitterness. It wasn't bitterness as in... Um, just God, I hate you, and bitterness and everything in life. It, the word the word used there is from a, from a place of anguish, a place of pain, and a place of burden in her soul. Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. Then there's some other things it says a few verses later. Eli the priest, who saw her praying in the tabernacle, said, "Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of Him." A couple of verses later, the Lord remembered Hannah and then, uh, uh, and then she conceived with her husband and it says she gave birth to a son called Samuel. And, the word, and Samuel means heard of God. Yeah. See, God is ready to hear the prayer. Yes. The prayer that is in line with him. The prayer that is agreeing with him. So there's personal things that God barrenness, if you like, that, that we can see God break through in our lives. But there's also a kind of thing beyond our own personal lives, which is about our town and community and nation. In this situation here, from anguish and pain, it's like when you begin to pray, you know, you know, often um, we, 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 prayer meetings are probably the least attended meetings of anything in a church, generally, because prayer meeting is not about us, it's about everybody else. And so it's a challenge in one sense. Or when somebody says, hey, do you want to come and pray together? Do you want to pray? Or yeah, yeah, okay, you know. But what you find when you begin to pray is God begins to do something. And, and you've probably heard people say, the more you pray, the more you want to pray. And, uh, but what we want to do is God to put that more than in us to make us pray. And, and we need to give ourselves and, and allow the Holy Spirit to do something in us. And, and as we begin to pray, desire begins to grow and, and a hunger begins to grow to pray because prayer is not a boring, you know, put your head down and wash your hair, you know, while you're praying and it's, I don't know what to pray. You know, praying is like, Father, I thank you for your word, what you want to do. Father, I thank you for the release of your purposes. Man, when you begin to pray and God begins to stir something on the inside of you, then you want to pray. You want to pray with others. You want to see God do more. Why? Because you begin to see stuff happen in a fresh way. What's the third thing here? So this, there's the burden for a situation. There's the burden for something beyond ourselves. There's a burden in our own lives here. And then thirdly, there's praying in the midst of opposition and challenge. And in 1 Chronicles 15, the Israelites were having to um, 
come against a load of people that were coming against them. And it said here that there were about 45,000 of, 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 of certain tribes um, that uh, were coming together who, who could handle the shield and sword, who could use a bow and who were trained for battle. And they were going to wage war against the Hagrites, Jetur, Nafish and Nodab. Great names. And they were helped in fighting them and God handed the Hagrites and all their allies over to them. Why? It says here, because they cried out to him during the battle. What did he do? He answered their prayers because they trusted him. So we don't pray from a place of fear. We don't pray from a place of need. God is not moved by need. God is moved by faith. If God was moved by need, there'd be no needs in the world because he'd meet them all. But God is moved by faith and he's moved by faith. It is an agreement with him. And so as we begin to pray in, or we continue to pray in agreement with him, then he releases his purposes in a, in a continuing way, in a fresh way. Then it says they, they got all the plunder and everything. Verse 22, because the battle was God's, it was the Lord's. So we're not getting God to try and fulfill our will of what we want in our nation. God wants certain things in our nation and what we're praying is his will. So we're lining up with him and what he wants to do. So therefore we position ourselves in a place for him to release what he wants to do. So we position our lives, we position ourselves in that way. I don't know. Maybe I can ask you a question this morning. Since the prayer and fasting, what has changed in your lifestyle? What has changed spiritually for you? What has changed in your daily walk with God that is different now than it was before the 21 days? What's the dynamic of prayer like in your life now that is different than it was six weeks ago, eight weeks ago at the beginning of the year? What has changed? What has moved forward? How are you praying now that's different than it was three, four, five, six weeks ago? How are you operating in the spirit now in a way that you weren't six, eight weeks ago? If there's no change in our lives, we need to stop right where we are. If there's no change at all and we're still operating in the same way, at the same, with the same dynamic, we need to stop and we need to say, Father, forgive me for going backwards in the last few weeks instead of moving forwards into the new of what you're doing. I can feel the tension in the air right now. <laughs> Welcome to church. But if we're not moving forward, you don't stand still, you go backwards. Or you do stand still, but God's moving forward, therefore it appears like you're going backwards. If we're not moving forward and there's something different being activated and released in our lives, then we're going to settle for whatever comes our way. And we cannot settle for just what comes our way. We can only settle if we can use that word for God's best. And when you settle for that, you continually move forward. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you. You've not brought us here to tread water. You've not here just to fill up some time. You've not here. You haven't just come into our lives to give us a better day and a better time and, and feel better about ourselves. You brought us here, Father, for your purposes, for your will to be outworked, for everything you want to do, Father, in us and through us to be done. Father, I thank you. It's not a season of just 
being taught loads and loads of stuff so we have more knowledge. This is a season at the beginning of this year where you're speaking, you're breathing, you're stirring, you're mobilizing. You are speaking into our lives, Father, so that we move with you in a fresh way. Not just now, not just for this year, but going forward into the future. God spoke to us a little while ago. And he said, gear everything to harvest. Gear everything to the harvest. That's why we put the discipleship pathway in place. Know God, live in freedom. Discover your purpose, make a difference. That's why partly we're doing Alpha. That's why we have freedom. That's why we do things like battlefield of the mind. That's why there's all sorts of things in place to help people see breakthroughs and release in their lives. Why do we do things like grow at 12 o'clock today? To help people discover their purpose so you can move more fully into what God has for you and, and for us together. He's saying, give everything to harvest. Make sure you've got your ducks in a line. Not so that he has to work in, within that, but so that as he brings more and more people, we have a discipleship kind of thing that is not just a mechanism, but it's a walk that we can help people grow and, and be fruitful in their lives. What else, what else happened? He gave us this picture, this vision of walking down a road and a choice of two directions. One looked really nice pathway. It looked nice and sunny and well, I'd rather go down there. But there was another one that was dark and it looked challenging and everything else. And I, I knew when I saw this picture, I've just got to go down that one. And I started down this challenging looking pathway. And the further I went down, the, the tighter the trees got and everything, the foliage, and, until it was digging in me like thorns and everything digging in me. It was like trying to stop me from going forward. And I just knew in that moment, just punch through, just punch through. And as I, I got my arm somehow from in all the tightness and just pushed it through, it, it came into this massive open area and suddenly the trees all parted. And I was standing on the edge of this huge, vast field that had no sides and you couldn't see the end of it. It was just vast. And it was like God saying, that's our harvest field. It was full, it was ripe, it was ready. But then also it had loads of crates, these massive crates dotted all around it as far as you could see. And in one crate, there were resources and equipment. Another one, it was full of money another one it had buildings another one it just had all sorts of and God said everything you need is out in the harvest everything you need is out in the harvest it's all out there in front of you just move into it move into it your provisions there the abundance is there all the souls are there the miracles are there everything is out there in the harvest it's not in the barn it's out in the harvest the barn is where you store stuff and get it ready for discipling, if we can put it that way. But where the action is, is out in the harvest field. It's like gear everything to harvest. That's why we're here from now. That's why Kingdom Faith exists. For the harvest, for the harvest, for the harvest. It can't exist just to pump the church up and, and, and bless the church and all that kind of stuff. Still going to do that, but we're here for harvest. We're here for harvest. We're here for harvest. And that's what God spoke to us about. When we pray, what are we doing? We're praying for harvest. We're not just praying for God to bless us or visit us or come and do something nice for us. No, we're, we're, we're an engine room for, a harvest, for harvest. An engine room, for, just say that about yourself. I'm an engine room for harvest. What does the Bible say? If you seek first his kingdom and righteousness, everything else, all things will be added. Don't worry about yourself. God will take care of you. As we go after him and his purposes and his kingdom, he'll make sure you're sorted. He'll make sure things go well. You look after his house, he looks after yours. Amen. 
Father, we praise you. We thank you. You are awesome. You are mighty. You are wonderful. Let's just lift our hands this morning. Let's lift our hands this morning and just say, Father, I thank you for your word today. Thank you, you Holy Spirit. You're stirring me today. Thank you for that fresh prodding today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're stirring, stirring, stirring in my heart, in my life. Thank you that you will not let me settle. I thank you that you will never let me settle. Just thank him because he won't. If you're open, he won't let you settle. Don't let yourself settle. Just thank him. Thank Him. Father, I thank You. You're stirring. Thank You that You're moving. Thank You that You're working. Thank You that You're releasing who You are afresh into my life. I praise Your awesome name. I thank You, Jesus. 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 Praise Your name. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Your small group that you're meeting, means to be charged, charged with what God is saying and doing. No matter what kind of group you're in, what kind of thing you're doing. You want God, don't, don't, don't let your small group just settle. When you gather with others, whatever the focus of your small group is, don't just settle and come and have a nice time with each other. Ask yourself the question, this question. Is this small group geared to the harvest? If it's not, what needs to change? Ask in the next, when next time you get together in a small group, are we geared to harvest? Are we going after the harvest? If not, what needs to change? Do you meet just for, well, there's fellowship and there's life we share together, absolutely. Because that is like we said the other week, a couple of weeks ago, that is like the, the, the net of the church, the relationships we have are like the net of the church that people are going to come into and become part of. So that's important. But small groups cannot become inward looking and absorbing and, and just focus around themselves. No, it's like what, need, what might need to change? If we're going to see harvest, be a, the harvest, the people that don't know the Lord affected by who we are as a small group, then what needs to change? If you're a small group leader, you need to be praying into that. What, what might need to change in the small group I'm leading so there's a harvest dynamic, there's a reach in the world dynamic to what we're doing? God will have an answer for you. He'll show you. He'll speak to you. Maybe just invite the Holy Spirit before we close today. Holy Spirit, would you turn me inside out? Would you turn me inside out? Would you turn me inside out, Holy Spirit? Praise your mighty name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's all kinds of short courses we're going to be running kind of in the summer to do with parenting, different age groups, marriage course stuff, finance related things, equipping people to pray more effectively. Uh, how do you really use the truth to pastor and invest in people to, and disciple people? All of that, there's loads of different things we're doing, short courses, because why? Because we want to invest in you. And, and there's a certain amount you can do on a Sunday morning, but you know there, there's a whole load of stuff we, we want to invest in the body, and you can't just do that Sunday by Sunday, you know, because there's limited time, and, and we want to get people into different contexts so we can invest, 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 get truth into you, get equipping into you, get training. Why? To help you grow in your own life, to help you become more fruitful in your relationship.
relationship. It's more effective in your small groups, more effective in whatever God is doing in and through your life, more effective in your parenting. So there's a different dynamic in your family that you have a stronger, more healthy marriage. Why? Because we need to be a prophetic example to the culture and society. You have a healthy marriage. Your kids are going to grow in a healthy environment. Father, we thank you for everything you're doing. We want to invest in you, but it's also not just for us. It's so that we can then help others and disciple others and invest in their lives. The, the fastest way to grow as a, as a believer is to invest in somebody else. That is the best way to grow. Not, not God, I need you to do something new in me. It's like, yeah, there, there is that all the time. Father, move, transform it from one degree of glory to the next. But the best way to grow is invest in somebody else. Invest in somebody else. Invest. Why? Because you find stuff coming out of you you didn't even realize was there. And you begin to grow in stuff because you're releasing it. You're giving away. You're giving away. You're giving away. And the more you give, the more you receive. If you sow into others, you'll reap. You just will. You'll grow. Best way to grow. Best way to grow is to give, to give, to give. Best way to grow, serve, serve, serve. Make yourself available. Serve on a Sunday. Get stuck into your small group. Get involved in something. Just give, give, give. And you'll begin to grow, grow, grow. Something will happen in you. Father, we praise your awesome name. We thank you, Jesus. Father, I just pray... Whatever is from you this morning would stick like glue in us and, and work in our hearts. What's just me ranting about something? Would that just be forgotten and drop away, Father, and fall into the ground and become nothing? But Father, what is from you today would live in us and would work in us and we would work with you and work with your spirit in our lives, Father, so that as a church we will not settle for anything less than your best and your purposes. Remember that the, 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 the experience that Michelle shared a couple of weeks ago when God took her somewhere and she shared that about being in Israel 2,000 years ago, walking with the crowd, picking up that, that what became a person and she put, her in, put them in front of Jesus and Jesus breathed, spoke, whispered and this thing unfurled and uncurled and became this beautiful old lady that was fully healed and restored and she said, I was blind but now I can see and the crowd erupted in praise and adoration and God said in that moment, that's what revival is going to be like as, as a, God moves in the church increasingly. You're going to be living in days where stuff like that happens all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. What is completely destroyed is going to become living and life in God, fully healed and restored. But it's also connected with the Jewish people as we heard. It was an old Jewish lady. Why? Because they're God's ancient people and he, he wants us to increasingly have a love for the Jewish people and God's plan and purpose is for them to come back to know him, to be restored to relationship with him so that there truly can be that fulfilment of, of Jew and Gentile in Christ together. Father, we thank you. You're doing something unprecedented in our days. You want us to get a hold of that afresh in our lives, in your mighty, awesome powerful name. We thank you, Jesus. Just turn to somebody else. Say, I'm glad I'm here today. And just say, I'm glad you're here today. Now just say to them, come on, let's go forward together in God's purposes. Now look them in the eye and say, I'm going to encourage you. And I want you to encourage me. Say to them, I'm going to stir you. And I want you to say to them, I want you to stir me. Now say, come on, let's run together in God's commands. Let's run together in God's commands. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.